You're listening to Begin Again with Sonia Keeve, a lifestyle podcast for the everyday woman who has a desire to step out and start something new. Whether that is a new job, new business, new relationship, or new goals, it's never too late to begin again. Now, here's your host, Sonia Keeve. Well, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Begin Again. I am your host, Sonia Keeve, and I am super excited, as I always am, to come to you today to talk about a topic that a lot of people that I have met in my professional career in the mortgage industry um, has always asked this question. So the question of today is, So are you tired of renting? And now are you ready to buy your first home? Yes, this is something that has been debated whether I should rent or whether I should buy a home and what are the advantages and the disadvantages. And so we're going to talk from the perspective of actually preparing yourself from renting to actually buying. And so I definitely want you to take some notes. And of course, if you're driving, I definitely do not want you to, um, I definitely do not want you to be writing anything while driving because safety first, okay? (laughs) Safety first. And so the thing that I know about um, buying a house, it can be probably one of the most stressful events in your life because Number one, you're about to drop a lot of money to purchase a home. It takes a lot of money to make a purchase. And so we, you know, typically are not accustomed to giving away lots of money for a huge purchase like buying a home. But what I can tell you is that it will absolutely be one of the best investments that you can make. But I do understand that you want to make sure that you are equipped, educated, and informed on the process because I have seen in my professional career, and I've been in the mortgage industry since 2009, and I have had the chance to see all types of applications with uh, finance, with finances, with savings, Um, All kind of stories, you know, are shown when I receive documentation from clients who are ready to purchase their first home. And so if you have, you know, bought your first home in the last many decades, um, I really would love to know what was your experience like? Was it, you know, were you excited? Were you scared? Was it frustrating? Because I do know, you know, the feelings are all around, they're up and down in the emotions of what you feel. Because, you know, think about it, buying a home, that's an emotional, um, that's an emotional purchase. And I remember when my husband and I bought our first home, I remember how excited I was because we had done uh, new construction. So I was excited to pick out all the finishes and, you know, pick about what I wanted to have in here in this room and I wanted the fireplace and I wanted the upgraded kitchen and the flooring and picking out lights. You know, I remember all of that, but I also do remember 
when we got the sheet that lists, you know, the fees and how much everything's going to cost. I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, how much is the monthly mortgage payment going to be? How much is this loan we're about to take? You know, I was, I was in shock how quickly a lot of those finishes when you're, especially buying new construction can be. So I can tell you, I definitely understand um, exactly what you're feeling. Um, But we're here to talk about what are some things that you need to prepare yourself before you actually go to purchase your first home. So if you are getting a home loan, you know, the first thing that you do is you try to get pre-approval. I I always say, I think it's always best to get a pre-approval done first because that pre-approval will let you know exactly how much money you qualify for because it makes no sense to go and pick out a house in a neighborhood that you like only to find out that you can't afford it um, based off your current financial position. So you definitely want to first, when you're you know ready to um, purchase a home, reach out to a realtor or a lender and get a pre-approval first. Because once you understand where you're approved and how much you're approved for, then you can really tailor your experience with that real estate agent for um, the type of home you want and then the price point that you want to stay in because you definitely don't want to make a purchase and already be upside down with making your payments or not being able to afford it. So the first thing you definitely want to do is get that pre-approval. Now, there are some terms that we'll talk about to help you understand the process. So once you, once you get that pre-approval, okay, you know, you fill out an application and you give all of your um, information, your financial picture. So a lender is going to want to know, you know, your work history and with your work history, you want to make sure you have at least a two year work history. If you have any gaps in employment, and I would say a gap in employment more than um, 60 days, then you definitely want to present a letter of explanation for any gaps in employment. Depending on the letter, that could be 60 days. Sometimes that could be a gap of more than uh, six months. So you just want to make sure and check with your lender you know, what they prefer. So if there's any gaps in employment, you want to provide a letter, letter of explanation of the reason for that gap in employment, but they're looking for at least a good solid two-year work history. And that can be a combination of full-time and part-time employment. The next thing you want to collect is you want to collect your last 60, your most current 60 day bank statements. So you want to make sure the most current 60 day bank statements. And when we say bank statements, they want to see the full bank statement, all pages. So there's a difference between the full bank statement and a transaction history. The transaction history is what you typically will get like if you do online banking. And with that transaction history, it's going to list the transactions that have taken place in your bank account. So it's just going to list, you know, who you paid and how much you paid that person or what monies were used 
to pay bills, whatever the case may be, but it's just listing the transactions. But what an, what a lender will want to see is having that full bank statement will give that lender your name, your address, and account number, because they want to make sure that that bank statement that you provide to them does belong to you. Now, usually in this case, you know, I have worked with clients who will tell me, you know, I don't want to give you all of my personal information. So please understand that when you're working with a lender, all of the information that they collect from you will be disposed of after you have been approved for a loan. But until that time comes, you want to make sure that your bank statements are clear. It identifies you as the holder of the account. It lists the account number. Sometimes it will give just the last four digits of that account number, and that's okay. Um, and then they want to see all of the transactions and the running balances because they want to be able to look at that bank statement, see what your beginning balance was, minus all of your transactions to give you a final ending balance. And they may look at any monies that have very large deposits that may not be consistent with what they see on those three months of transactions, okay? So you wanna make sure that you give a clear picture of your bank statements. And then if there's any large deposits, you wanna be able to provide with a letter, letter of explanation what that large deposit is for. And the reason for that is, because if you have any large deposits that does not come from your employer and say you got you know, an inheritance of $10,000, just as an example, but it's not typical for you to carry a $10,000 or more balance in your bank balance, that is a flag. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just something that will be questioned. And then you just simply have to explain. So if you got that $10,000 from an inheritance, say from your uncle, then you just explain that, that that's what that is. Um, many times clients forget when they're presenting paperwork to their lender, the lender doesn't know you personally. They may have established a relationship with you, but they don't know your everyday um, dealings with how you spend your money. So when they're looking at that bank statement and have any questions, it's not questioning your integrity in any way. It's just asking the question so that when they present, the lender presents that paperwork to the underwriter, there are no questions and everything is clear with ex explanation letters if necessary. And then it just tells the story for how you plan to afford to purchase the home, okay? The next thing that a lender is going to ask for, they're going to ask for your 30-day most current pay stubs. And they wanna see the full pay stub that shows your, your hourly wage or your salary, um, your benefits, and then they wanna see your gross amount versus your net. And so they wanna make sure that because what they're going to be using is they're going to be using your pay stubs to calculate what's called your DTI or debt to ratio income. Okay. And so what they're looking for based off of the loan program that you qualify for, there are certain debt to income ratios that you must fall in, in order to 
be approved for the loan. So they'll want to see your most current 30 day pay stubs. And so if you have those pay stubs, you want to make sure you print those off to present to the lender. If you don't get pay stubs and say you get a direct deposit, then you'll want to go to your employer to see if they can provide you um, your copies of your actual pay stubs that outlines all of your um, deductions that come out of your paycheck every pay period. And so with that, if you, for example, if you get paid weekly, then they're going to want to expect to see four paychecks because they need to see a full 30 days. And that's a full 30 calendar days. If you get paid, like say semi-monthly, like the first and the 15th, then you'll present those two pay stubs, the one you got on the first and 15th. And then of course, if you get paid every two weeks, you know, same thing, pre present those paychecks. And so with those paychecks, you want to make sure that the lender can clearly see your employer, um, where the employer lives. I mean, not lives, excuse me, where the employer is. And sometimes some companies, the address listed on the pay stub is where the corporate office is and may not necessarily be locally where you are, where you work, but they want to be able to see the company name because when you're filling out an application and you list your employer and the address and phone number, they're comparing that to the pay stub. And so they want to make sure that the name on the paycheck, the employer name on the paycheck matches to what you put on your loan application. So you want to make sure that you give a 30 day um, um, pay stub. And then of course, if you have those gaps in employment, then there should be some type of letter of explanation that outlines that for you. The next thing is you wanna look at is your credit, your credit score. And of course, a lot of people, this is where we start from of understanding, well, in order to qualify a loan, my credit score needs to be within a certain range. And so for most loan programs, whether if you're getting, say, a conventional loan or an FHA loan, um, or maybe you're getting a VA loan, there are certain credit scores that you must meet in order to qualify for that loan. So definitely look at your credit report. And there are many free options out there where you can go online and request a free credit report. Um, a lot of people I know use Credit Karma, which is a website that you can go to and you enter in some personal information and it will give you a credit score. But you definitely, or you can go online to free credit report dot com and you can request your um, three merged credit report because what they're looking for is they want to see all three scores from all three credit bureaus and those three credit bureaus are Experion, TransUnion, and Equifax. So those are the three top credit bureaus that most lenders use to determine if your credit score qualifies you for a home loan. And so the reason why they look for those three credit scores is because they're going to be looking at your highest score reported to the credit bureau, your lowest credit score, and then the middle score. Typically, the middle score is the score that is going to determine your qualification for a home loan. So for example, if you have a credit score, say, of 700 on Experion, you have a um, 
see, 600 credit score with TransUnion and then a 650 score with Equifax. So in this example, the 650 is the middle score. And so if the criteria for uh, if the criteria for qualifying for the home loan requires a credit score, say of 620, then if they look at that medium score and see a 650, then great, you qualify and you can move on throughout the process. So you definitely want to make sure that you look at those credit scores. And if you're not where you need to be, then look at that credit report to determine what can I do to clean up my credit. And so with the credit report, definitely if you have any collection accounts on your credit report, you definitely want to go ahead and make payments or settle those debts. Um, because depending on the loan program, sometimes collection accounts will have to be paid in full. And so if you are on a tight budget with purchasing a home and you really don't have any wiggle room to pay off those creditors that are in collections, then if you get ahead of it, looking at your credit report often, and if you have any collection accounts, go ahead and take care of that as well. Um, another big thing a lot of clients have is student loans. You know, with a student loan, will that disqualify me? And the answer is no. Um, the only time it will disqualify you is if you actually default on your student loan because you cannot have any defaulted student loans. But if you are like on a repayment plan and as long as you are, you know, um, consistently um, active with that, that um, payment plan with the student loans, most lenders will simply just take 1% of the total balance of your student loans. So if you have multiple student loans, which, you know, many people do that have, you know, that have gone to school and gotten student loans, look at those balances for each of those loans, and they're going to take 1% of that balance. And that is calculated inside of your debt to ratio income. So as the, as the term says, debt to income. So you want to make sure in order to qualify that your debt isn't higher than your income that you're bringing in, because that means that you, that you won't qualify for the loan because you have more expenses than you actually have income coming in. And so in order to reduce that debt that you may have, will require you to pay off some bills that maybe are sitting on your credit report, perhaps in collections. Um, if you're renting now, you want to make sure that you're paying your rent on time. I know that sounds very common sense, but some loan programs will not approve you if you are late on your rent. And by late, meaning, you know, you are at least 30 days or more late they consider that a disqualification for you. So definitely make sure that if you've been renting for several years and now you're ready to purchase a home, make sure that you have been paying your rent on time. And typically what they would look for is they will look for, they will go back, uh, do a 12 month history. So let's just say, you know, one year, you know, you were late several times, um, but then the next year you were on time. They're not going to go back two years to look to see that you were late, you know, before. So they'll take a look at 
just your most current 12-month history. And as long as you're on time with those rental payments, you should be fine. Another thing to take into consideration when you're purchasing a home is home insurance. So yes, so when you're getting ready to make a purchase for a home, you have to get home insurance and get the protection even before you get the home. And so they will require you to get a couple of quotes from some homeowner insurance companies. And if you don't know any, that's where you utilize your real estate agent to get some advice on some companies. Sometimes there are lenders, sometimes lenders have partnerships with some homeowner insurance companies, especially those that you know, maybe have a lower premium because sometimes you want to make sure that premium isn't so high um, because it will be added into your mortgage payment. And so with a home insurance, just get a couple of quotes and see if you can um, get a policy in place prior to you closing on that loan, because that will be a requirement that you'll need to get homeowners insurance in place before you close on a home. And lastly, another thing that you want to consider is, you know, if you need down payment assistance and down payment assistance can come sometimes in the form of gifts from relatives, meaning that there's an aunt or uncle or someone that will give you money to help you with your down payment. And that is acceptable. There's additional documentation needed for that, but it is okay to get funds from family members to help you with the down payment assistance. If you would consider new construction, I have found that there are some lenders with the new, with well, not lenders, with the builders. Sometimes builders will have an incentive that if you go with them to have your home built, they will in turn help you with down payment assistance. And that's a great, um, that's a great motivator, especially if you don't have savings already established, this can help you so that you can move forward in the home buying process. And so the few items that we talked about today, I hope that it helps you to kind of get yourself prepared with the type of paperwork that lenders will ask for in order to move you for, in order to approve you, excuse me, for a home loan. And if you have questions throughout the process, that's when you definitely want to have that conversation with the lender. Uh, many times, if you're getting a home loan and you're working, say, with a mortgage company, you'll be assigned a loan processor. And that person will be your point of contact that will be requesting the documentation from you. And so you can ask those questions, you know, what paperwork do I need? And then ask the why if you don't understand why it's being asked, because you're about to make a huge purchase. And so you need to be comfortable and well-educated and understanding the process so that it's not so daunting on you, because it can be a lot when, you know, you don't have all of that paperwork um, readily available. So I wanted to have this conversation with you to help you start the process. Because like I said, for me, just my experience of working with so many clients over the years, I cannot tell you how many times I have gotten calls from clients 
complaining, why do I need this documentation? Why do you need to see my bank statements? Why do you need to see my social security card? There's, you know, and because it's personal information and, and it's, and it's understandable to be that way, especially in this world where identity theft is on the rise. And so you want to definitely make sure that you're protected, but when you're making a home purchase, you know, they will dig into your personal life to ask you for the documentation. Oh, another thing before I go, I wanted to just um, also reiterate here when we're dealing with child support or divorce, if you were married at some point and say you got divorced and you are now purchasing a home in your maiden name, okay? If they look at your license and then look at your application and see it's two different names, uh, just having the divorce decree will satisfy that. Like, why is your name different? Your name's different because you got divorced. The same is true also if you have child support. So if you are making child support payments and say if you are if you're receiving the child support payments as income to you, you want to make sure you have documentation from the state of child services indicating that you are getting an X amount of money for child support. And if you're paying out child support, then you want to make sure that you provide like bank statements or documentation to show that you do make child support payments because they, because any money's coming out because they'll see a recurrent amount coming out of your bank statement. So if they see an amount coming out, because sometimes on bank statements, the line items don't always clearly explain what the transaction is. And so you could write a letter saying, I pay child support in this amount of money. And so usually the lender will request the divorce decree that will outline the child support order. And they're looking to make sure that the child support order amount that is being requested matches to what as you as the client is paying out of your bank account each and every month. So I definitely wanted to get that point in to help you. So when we talk about renting versus buying, it can be a daunting task, but I will say, if it is it worth it, it absolutely is worth it, but you just simply need to be prepared. And in order to be prepared, you want to start with What's your credit score? So you understand what are some things I need to take care of? Am I in a good financial position? Go ahead and apply for the loan and try to get that pre-approval up front so you know how much of a loan you can qualify for. And then get that paperwork in order, you know, so that when you're presenting it to the lender, it's clear, it makes sense. And anything where there's um, things being questioned, it can simply be solved by writing a letter of explanation to fill in any type of gaps because that processor's job is to tell the story to the underwriter so that they have no questions and that you can get approved and then you can be a homeowner and have an amazing, amazing life. So I hope this information was helpful to you. Um, I definitely wanted to share this topic because I get this question all the time. Like, what are the things I need to do to prepare myself for homeownership? So definitely share this information with anyone you know who is ready to purchase a home and maybe not sure where to begin. This episode is great information. I think will help 
really curtail your anxiety and help you be in a better position so that you can own your home today. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time on Begin Again. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Begin Again. Remember, you only get one life to live, so make it fabulous. And if you like what you've heard, please feel free to rate, subscribe, or leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that. And for more information about our products or services, please go to www.soniakeev.com. Thanks again, and we'll catch you in the next episode.